T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Are you going to try to get Justin some reps with first-team skill players? Yeah, I would... I- some of the- it, it, that could happen. I mean, that's I would like to see that happen. Again, it just depends what happens on that first drive with with Andy and, and some of those guys. And but I would say there's a good possibility that that could happen. Now there might be there might be a time where we put him in, and it just so happens that a guy like Mooney isn't in there, but some of the others are. You know, but there might be one or two plays where Mooney is in. So it's just kind of a it's a feel thing. This whole preseason is going to be a feel. Bears head coach, Matt Nagy. And now that I think about it, I wasn't there today, but upon hearing that from Matt Nagy to say that this whole year is going to be a feel thing, I actually like that because that means that they don't have something scripted necessarily, even though they kind of sound like they have something scripted because Andy Dalton has been the no doubt about it starter from the the very beginning. Welcome back in on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. I'm Mark Grody. Yeah, that was Nagy talking about Justin Fields on his potential playing time and the circumstances in which he'll be playing, with whom he will be playing in that game on Saturday night against the excuse me, Saturday afternoon out at Soldier Field, a noon game on Saturday, 11 o'clock pregame, which I will be a part over on our sister station, WBBM. Let us go now to. The Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book from the Chicago Sun-Times. He covers the Bears just like I do. He is Mark Potash. He was out in Lake Forest today. How are you, Marco? Great, Mark. How are you doing? I am doing well. Let's start with that. What I was just talking about with the Bears head coach, Matt Nagy, saying that this whole year is going to be a, a feel thing. Do you believe that? Yeah, absolutely I do. I think... Um... I think I think it's going to be kind of one of the key issues, and it always I think it always has been ever since they set this up is just how open-minded uh, Matt Nagy will be to even though he is set on Andy Dalton being the number one quarterback at the beginning of the season, just how open-minded he is to the fact that uh, to the possibility um, that Justin Fields you know might be ready sooner than he thinks, and and I think he will be open-minded about that. The field thing I think is important. That's why. That's kind of why the uh, the, the preseason is uh, is still interesting, even though it's not going to change the week one starter. In that, if Justin Fields and I don't think it's going to happen Saturday, but if Justin Fields looks like the kind of guy, you know, if he if he shows that he's the kind of guy who really, besides being ready, but just invigorates a team and invigorates an offense, that's Matt Nagy's job to see that, to notice that, and to know, just like when Russell Wilson outplayed Matt Flynn uh, in Seattle in 2012. You got to have that intuition 
um, that hey, the, what the, of what the reality is, and I think the feel thing is allows for that to eventually play itself, play into it um, as the season goes along. So I think that makes the the, um, the preseason even more interesting, even though we know what the outcome will be as far as week one. All right, today. How did, and I know there's like a thousand things going on when there's a dual practice as there has been the last couple of days with the Bears and the Dolphins, but from what you saw watching Justin Fields today, how did he look today in practice? Well, he looked better today than he did uh, yesterday, but I still think defenses overall, uh, you know, still had 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 the better the better of it, I guess. But the one thing that Fields did that caught everybody's attention, for one thing, it was right in front of the media stands, was his performance in in uh, in the red zone drill at the end of practice, um, where I think I counted they scored six touchdowns out of seven or eight. I can't remember. I mean, sometimes they ran in or whatever, but either way. Uh, he he um, he was outstanding. I mean, it was against a second team defense, so that's another thing you have to keep in mind for tomorrow or for Saturday. Also, is who he's going against, and so it. But it was, uh, but it was kind of just that that uh, surge of excitement that you kind of saw what he could be at his best because you know he uh, he's rolling out, he's finding receivers, he's putting the ball exactly where he needs to, um, and guys were making plays and so it was a, it was a great tease i guess that's the best way to put it because <laughs> you can't make any judgments from that but um it was still interesting to see it at least gave you a little bit of a glimpse that's what it did it gave you a glimpse of what could happen if uh if they if they you know get it together and and uh, and, and and give this kid a chance to uh to do something so that was that was exciting for i know for a lot of fans uh, but uh again can't make uh, too many judgments on that uh because especially coming into a game where you know the offense is really kind of anticipating a question here i guess so the offense is is really not ready to make Justin Fields look great Saturday it's just it's just not i mean he's not as i said i've said before he can't. He's not a miracle worker, and he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna be able to put this offense on his shoulders. And I just don't think with this offensive line that they're ready to be, you know, to really even look impressive. So I, I would set the bar low if you're going into that game, uh, you know, thinking that he's gonna, you know, or anticipating uh, Justin Fields doing something special. Well, and Matt Nagy even acknowledged that that a lot of what he will allow Justin Fields to do on Saturday is going to depend on the sturdiness of the offensive line with which he is working and what the Miami Dolphins are doing on on defense. He doesn't want to get his quarterback, you know, hurt. That that is Bears fans should be very heartened to hear something like that. That said, don't you think Potsy that even the the play calling is going to be incredibly conservative when Fields is out there like handing the ball off and throwing screen passes. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting just to see how efficient they can be, how much they can avoid looking bad. As I mean, I feel like I've seen so many of these preseason games uh, where the Bears' offense just looks discombobulated and the quarterbacks look overwhelmed, and um, and it just doesn't look it just doesn't look like they're getting anywhere. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Matt Nagy uh, uh, and Bill Lazor, I guess, approach it as far as just the just calling a nice, safe game that allows the kid to make plays and just take one step at a time. And instead of making splash plays and things that get people all excited. And uh, so my, the bar for me is set very low. I think if they just look competent, I think that's, that's a step in the right direction because they have a much, no matter what happens uh, um, Saturday, they have a much bigger job uh, ahead of them 
in getting their offensive line set. That's what, they have a long way to go with that, and I think that's going to be really important. That's the voice of Mark Potash, covers the Bears for the Chicago Sun-Times. I'm Mark Grody here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Mark, I saw that Drew Rosenhaus was out in Lake Forest today at the practice. He happens to represent Akeem Hicks, and I saw a tweet from Adam Schefter that he has, that is Drew Rosenhaus, apparently reportedly approached the Bears about a possible extension for the 31-year-old Akeem Hicks. Do you think that he will get an extension with the Bears? Uh, I don't think so, unless it's at the Bears' price, which with Drew Rosenhaus usually isn't. So, yeah, I think they would love to get it. I mean, um, Akeem Hicks is 31. He's coming off a okay, a okay year by his standards. Not great. Um, he's certainly not at a peak. Uh, but, I mean, the defense was not in great shape last year. So, um, this is not like – I don't think he's operating from a position of strength. As good as Akeem Hicks is at, at this stage, at his age – uh, I'm just not sure how convinced the Bears are that he is a long-term, at this point, longer-term uh, answer. This is kind of a, I wouldn't say prove-it year, but it, but he is he still has to show that, you know, he's going to have some staying power um, as he gets to 31, 32, 33, and he's going to have to earn it. So I, I would be very surprised, unless again, if it was at the Bears' the price. I would be very surprised if they got if they got something done. Well, and then you have to think about too the the Bears' defensive priority right now is probably the reality of the NFL is the younger guy, and that would be Roquan Smith, who's yeah, watching absolutely. his right. I mean, he's seeing his colleagues yeah. from other teams get big money deals. He's going to get paid, isn't he, Mark? He will, he will, and that's that's one of those deals that uh, probably should be done sooner rather than later um, yes. at the rate that things are going. So because they're tight, they're going to be tight. Um, no matter what, and and so yeah, so that, obviously that that should be a priority. And they, in the past they've done that, um, but the last year or so they have not uh, because they've had so many issues, uh, salary cap issues. So, um, but I would I still expect that uh, something to get done there. Um, I don't know when, but but uh, you know I guess like I said sooner rather than later because I got a feeling the price is only going to be going up. All right, now the really important stuff, Mark Khalil Mack versus Adam Shaheen today. It was all the rage for a while. What did you see and who won the fight? Well, I was watching uh, 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 the Bears offense uh, at the time, so <laughs> I didn't – I saw I, I saw it as everyone reacted to it, so I have to admit, did not see it. I got you. Um, so, so I don't know what happened. It, these fights are not – they're not, you know, knockdown, dragout affairs. They're, they're not really that they're, – they're not that big a deal. Um, there was one with Cole Komet where he just shoved a guy uh, again today, and that started something. And that's it was that much. It was nothing that ruined the spirit of hey, let's not you know embarrass our coach type of thing. So, so I'll be honest, I really don't know exactly what happened. Um, but uh, that that uh, if it let's put it this way, Mark, if it got to a stage where it would be a big deal, uh, I, I got I got to feel like uh, like Shaheen would not have come out on the better end of that. <laughs> altercation I, Khalil Mack is not somebody you want to tangle with you know it's funny that you said you didn't see it because I found the experience of and this is the second time that I've, I've covered dual practices I assume that you were prop were you in Denver in 2018 no I was not I had not covered a practice since the Bears um, practice against uh, Mike Ditka Saints in lacrosse in 1998 oh wow so it's been oh, a man. while for me but yeah but I know what you're saying I know what you're gonna say yeah. I think is that it's 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 sensory overload yes. in in the fact that we're used to watching one thing at a time, and you've got like like 
I think even it was yesterday, I guess it was like first team defense versus first team offense on both sides. And, and you don't know where to look. It's very, exactly. uh, for me, I just, I, I can't, it's very, it's very difficult, <laughs> but it is good to see them against, uh, against a, a different, uh, another team. I think that's better than practice. And we are at that point where at the wor- what I consider the worst point of training camp, where they've had the maximum amount of practices without any games, anything to tell you, to give you some kind of barometer, excuse me, of how they're doing. So, I'm kind of glad we're at this point, and then you know, then looking forward to uh, to Saturday, um, to you know, just so, you, so we have something to write about that actually happened. Absolutely, man. We're all hungry for it. In the meantime, there is the continued uh, drama or injury to Tevin Jenkins in the and ba- and his back. I don't know if you guys got any new information today, but I guess that that's my question. Why why don't we know what's going on with Tevin Jenkins? Well, I I mean. Um, that's a really good question. I think that is kind of a red flag in itself. I said this, uh, wrote this earlier in the week uh, about uh, Jenkins, and that um, on the one hand, you don't want them giving you like you know, which we've had before, where they'll say, "Oh, everything's positive," and they'll give you a, these uh, optimistic reports, and it turns out they're not. You know, that it, it they're they're not. It's not true. But on the other hand, that also they're not giving. We've never we've never even got any detail on the injury itself. We've never given any no real updates except I guess last week he said he was optimistic. Matt said he was optimistic, but not much more than that. Just just ho- you know hopeful. So what I'm saying is because we're not getting much information, I think uh, you, you know uh, you, you fear the worst. I, I think that's fair, uh, frankly, to uh, to think that um, that uh, this might be more serious or more long term than than uh, than they originally thought because uh, they did not put him on the pup list and to start camp, which means they were you know optimistic. But there was one thing today I kind of noted this. I thought it was interesting is that um, it, when Matt Nagy was asked you know about you know, why he believes the offensive line issues will kind of be resolved and why he's not really that concerned about him, he gave a very long minute and a half answer and all the, you know this guy, this guy, this guy, everyone coming back. Did not even mention Jenkins, mm. and if Jenkins were really that close, you know he's a he's in effect a first round draft pick. I mean he's a second rounder, but they traded up and they you know and they consider him a you know first round prospect. He definitely would have been you know he he would have been one of the guys you're clinging to. Hey, we've got this you know we got Tevin Jenkins coming back. You know that's going to help. He never even mentioned him, and to me that's just a sign that of just how far away he is or how much they just don't know. So. Um, yeah, so so to answer the question, I think it's I think it, I think it could be a while. I'm not uh, I don't think he's even in the mix, uh, so to speak, um, at this point um, at, at left tackle. And and all along, or not all along, just recently they've been really or Matt Nagy has really been talking up Larry Borum. And I don't know if that's his way of just setting up competition on the team. Like, hey, your your spot's not safe, man. We got this Borum guy who actually is a fifth round pick, but we, we had second and third round grades on him. Do, do you think that, that that he has really opened their eyes, or is he just like throwing out? Are they just using him as competition to? No, to I, I think him? he did. And in fairness, he did not mention Larry Borum in his answer today either. Okay. Okay. Larry Borum's a fifth round draft pick, so I mean, it's it's a little bit of a different deal. But I, Larry Borum was good for one practice, and. They acknowledge that they weren't trying to. They were not trying to sell us a bill of goods on him. Um, Juan Castillo said it. Matt said it. Uh, that Larry Borum was above and beyond their expectations for one practice, and that was going to earn him more time. That was going to earn him a shot at the job. Um, and um, and then he uh, uh, and then he got hurt. So. Um, 
so now he's out. But uh, but I mean, I think they expect him to be back. But I, but yeah, he's a contender. But he's still uh, he's still a rookie. So it's uh, it's Elijah Wilkinson's job right now um, to lose, I guess, at this point. So um, you know, good luck. You know, good luck with that. Uh, it's you know, not that he's not a good player. But that's not what they were hoping for when they let Charles Leno go. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Right. I mean, that was a to some degree that was a gutsy move. I mean, they're, they're you know people can say what they want about Charles Leno, but he was a sturdy, healthy left tackle for a lot of years, and they clearly no. focused on his replacement right in the in the draft. Yeah, and and you know if you look at look at it this way, I mean. The Bears' offensive line was going to be a question mark, even even if Charles Leno and Bobby Massey were starting today. And when on draft day, when they when they brought in Tevin Jenkins, it was going to be a question mark when they had when they, it looked like they were going to have Charles Leno and Tevin Jenkins as their tackles. And then when they let Leno go, then it's you know then it's Jermaine Effetti and, and Tevin Jenkins as their tackles. Now they don't even have them. Now they're down even below that. So my point is. This was going to be a question mark, even at the, even at full strength, even at their best. The, the offensive line play was going to be a question mark. So just think how much uh, more tenuous it is now uh, with this issue. They have a lot of work to do there, and um, that's one reason why you know these first few snaps that you see um, on Saturday are, are going to be interesting, just to see where they are. Yeah, I can. I, like you said, I mean, I I can't wait, and it's. If you can't block, you can't run, and if you can't run, any quarterback behind there is going to be in trouble, no matter who it is. Yeah, so, I mean it's just a very simple football, and it, that's been their big issue. I guess what I'm saying is, despite all the focus on the quarterbacks, I think the biggest thing they've had to do is, is solidify this offensive line, and it's just—I'm not saying it's a mess, but I'm just saying it's just in flux at this point, and that's a yeah. tough thing. To, that's a tough thing because they always talk about uh, you know continuity, 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 and they've had none of that. So. So to me, it's a. I think it's a. It's a huge issue. Well, and I think that to some degree, because of the offensive line, even since 2018, when when Matt Nagy got here, part of the reason he's never been able to fully run his offense is, of course, not the right quarterback, but also offensive line. And last year, for half the season, it was awful. And then they reconfigured. But the play calling became more conservative under Bill Lazor, and they were doing things that maybe they they should. So. It, it's my long-winded way of of asking, like, is this going to be yet another year where we're not going to see the full Matt Nagy offense, or it's or or we're going to see it and it's not going to work because of the offensive line and what other other issues they might have? Well, yeah, I guess that's a I think that's a possibility uh, at this point because their their tackle situation is is unsettled. You know, they they seem you know once James Daniels gets back, and I'm assuming he will come back uh, fairly soon. They're pretty solid in the middle. That's that's got the make. Uh, they, they've got the makings of a, of a pretty good offensive line with you know Whitehair and, and Mustafer and and Daniels. Uh, but they need to get the tackle thing uh, uh, situation settled. So you're right. Yeah, that could be that. Yeah, that could be an issue. You know, all the way through, and it goes back to, you know, do you want to do you want to risk having a rookie quarterback back there, um, you know, and who getting his brains beat in? And what you know how how. Where, how, what's the risk reward factor there? So, that, so that's why I say I think my, my focus is really going to be on the offensive line and just the operation of the offense, just to see if they can operate at just a base level, uh, regardless of the quarterback, um, because you got to start there. That's how that's how rudimentary this offensive renaissance is for the Bears. It just starts the most the simplest thing, blocking. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Block the man in front of you. 
Mark, do you like baseball being played in the cornfield? I think it's yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, it's not, I guess it's not the you know we've been to Field of Dreams. We used to in the Bear when the Bears played at uh, practiced at uh, Platteville. We took a trip there once oh. to Dyersville because it was fairly close. So we've been there, and it's kind of yeah, it's a neat thing. So I guess it's not the field that like we that you know the movie was played on. But I just watching it, yeah, it looks yeah, it looks kind of neat. It's a definitely obviously a novelty and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting you know, I guess. I don't want to say concept because I don't. I don't think it's anything that's going to be every year or more than once a they year. They call. They call. But they're it, calling it an event. How about that word? Yeah, event. it's an event. Yeah, yeah yes. right. No, it's a nice event. Yeah, it's a. It's a nice event. Um, you know, but you know, the best thing is the White Sox are in a pennant race. Yeah, you know, they're winning. I, you know, I don't know how interested I'd be if they if they weren't to tell you the truth. So then it would. That's that's kind of a it's a fine line on a novelty. You know, so how how interested you are? I can't say I'd be watching it if the White Sox weren't. Uh, you know, weren't uh, in a pennant race. You'd watch it for like, and just to see what it looked like and then turn it off. That's probably what yeah, I would Yeah, for the do. novelty yeah. factor, but yeah. I'd probably get bored pretty quickly. But yeah. uh, but I do, yeah, I do like it. I, I like Field of Dreams, like the movie, and, and the whole idea of that is... is um, is is kind of neat. So uh so yeah, no, I'm yeah, I was I was uh definitely for that. Is baseball like from a fan standpoint, is that your favorite sport? You say it seems I'm guessing it is. I I can't say that I have a favorite sport. Okay. I think I, somebody asked me before. I can't remember. I got all confused cuz I couldn't figure it out, but uh <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, I guess it is, cause especially when I was a kid, basketball, you know, the Bulls were just starting, so yeah. it was basketball wasn't a big deal and um I used to, yeah, I used to, um, when I was a kid, uh, football was exclusively a weekend sport. There was not even Monday night football. And so I worked on the weekends because my, uh, my family's in the grocery business. So I always had a job. So I never, so I never really, I was never really became a big football fan until later, until I was in high school and stuff. So I'd say baseball because you just grow up in Chicago. You know, I'm a South Sider who, who likes the Cubs and Sox because I, would go to games at Comiskey Park, but would see the Cubs on television when I got home. So, so I would see. I guess I guess I, in a roundabout way, I'd have to say, yeah, baseball. But I think just because I think it's it starts so young, you start you you learn it so you fall in love with it so early. I guess. Yeah. No. I, no. Same with me. I'm a little bit younger, but I'm not young. Um, but baseball was definitely my number one. I think football has passed it up for me, but baseball's still a, a close number two. I mean, those of us like anybody over forty probably says that, but. And and we hope that that the kids, the youngsters, start to get more into baseball. You know, if they just keep these uh, these seven inning double headers and the man on second mark, I think the interest will stay high for the for the kids. Well, for the kids, but not for me. <laughs> so uh, if, if that ever happens, my favorite sport will be like gambling. But uh, <laughs> but it won't be it won't be baseball because I think those are two really bad developments uh. for the sport. You and Grobber, man. Uh, you and Grobber. You guys got to commiserate, yeah, and, you know. So, well, uh, and a few other people, I think. Uh, yeah, there are, you know, there are. They're... Yeah, but yeah, no, I won't. Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, you know, it's a it's a good point because they do have to keep interest uh, with a younger generation, and uh, and and I think they're doing it, and so. Um, you know, that's one way. But that second base thing, that's got to go. <laughs> but that's not baseball. Sorry. <laughs> not baseball. No, you actually – okay, I, I 
full transparency. I love the the man on second rule. I love the seven innings rule. But you, we were walking back from fields three and four yesterday, you and I, and we were kind of debating this. You made it. You you kind of got points on me when you said, "Well, that's just that's just the broadcaster in you talking because you just want the game to be over quickly, so you don't have to sit around and watch it. That means you're not really a, a super baseball fan. And you're right, man. Most broadcasters love the seven inning rule just because of the fact that it'll be over quickly and then we can go to bed earlier. They do. And the fans like the, the, the a lot of people like the second base rule because it's an automatic, uh, it's automatic excitement. Yes. It's a, it starts a rally. And this, I mean, I grew up with baseball when you didn't, you didn't need that. You know what I mean? It was just, you know, yep, it, it was, was different. The, the strategy or whatever of the game or the, just the pace of the game was good enough, but yep. times change, generations change. And, one year, I always say, one time this, this generation is going to be the older one with a younger generation nipping at their heels about some change <laughs> in the game in, in 50 years. So, it, you know, what goes around comes around. So. Yep, amen, it, man. Uh, Mark, I will see you out at Soldier Field uh, at, uh, well, it's a noon game. I'll see you out there a Saturday. I keep wanting to say Saturday. I'll see you on Saturday afternoon. Sounds good, Mark. All right, brother. That is uh, Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, our attention spans have been manipulated and just crushed. I I was like that when I when I was a kid growing up, man, I needed every part of base. I needed the pregame show, every inning, the commercials, the postgame show. I was uh, we used the word sati- satiate earlier. I was insatiable like when it came to baseball. I wanted every second of it. And that's changed. Like now I'm I'm all for not ha- What was today's Cubs game? 4 hours? Jesus, Um, I'm all for not hanging around for 15 innings of baseball and having seven inning games and all. I still love baseball, but like I said, my my um, my attention span has been compromised through the years, just like everybody else's because of social media and and things like that. Um, Do we need to take a break here, Fry Guy? Brandon Fryer, our producer. All right, we'll take a break. I'm thinking in my head what I want to do next. You know what we're going to do next is I want to talk more about the Bears, and I will play for you um, Adam Shaheen and his reaction to his scuffle. Is that the right word? His scuffle with Khalil Mack today. So Adam Shaheen, you'll hear several questions asked to Adam Shaheen next. I'm Mark Grody at Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We went through it last year, and that's part of the reason, too, is like we went through – you know, musical chairs for a little while there at the offensive line. And it was hard, whether it was injuries or whether we just wanted somebody to play better. And and then we ended up getting to a point where we found those five guys. And right now, you know, with a Fetty, a Fetty being out and Leno, you know, not being here anymore, two of those guys aren't out there right now. But you still have Alex, you still have Cody, and you still have Sam. So we just know that this is giving guys a chance and we believe in Juan, we believe in them, and then we, schematically we got to help them out where need be, you know. So I just, I really believe that is it a concern and is it some or not a concern? Is it a focus for us to know that we got to be better there and just keep trying to find that that starter at left tackle? Yeah, but at the same time, when Fetty's back out there and James Daniels is back out there and Cody's out there and Sam Musfer's out there and we get that tackle fixed, that's my calm. I mean, the interior of the Bears' offensive line. Assuming that James Daniels does return, and I do think he will, like the interior looks really good, man, with Cody Whitehair and James Daniels and Sam Mustafer looks more in command now than he did 
last year. And that was Bears head coach Matt Nagy talking about the offensive line. I'm Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score about 25 minutes from right now. We are going to go to the Field of Dreams game in, what is it, Dyersville, Iowa? Is that right? Do I have that right? Yep, Dyersville. 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 Yep, Dyersville, Iowa, the Field of Dreams game where the score's very own Chris Ranji is there. So... I don't know why I laugh when I say his name because I just don't think of him as like being like a romantic person in love with the game and and you know having that that feeling of being in the cornfield. Well, he did say he's going to leave early because the traffic was a bitch getting in. So we'll hear from Ranji in his car driving away from the cornfield where the White Sox are leading right now, seven to four. And so we'll we'll talk about the game. We'll talk about the experience. Everything with Chris Ranji coming up at uh, nine o'clock. This game Saturday, man, like it's a big game. I hate to say that about a preseason game, but I think it's one of the more interesting um, preseason games to to anticipate in a long time because you've got this quarterback, you've got this Justin Fields, and it sure looks like, according to what Matt Nagy is saying, they're going to give him a decent chunk of time. Andy Dalton's going to get maybe two series. Who knows? Maybe one. I mean, we've seen Matt Nagy pull the carpet out from under us when it comes to preseason games in the past. So whatever. But the second-string quarterback is Justin Fields. And Matt Nagy even indicated today that he might play him into the third quarter before they bring in Nick Foles to close things out. So it's big, man. Like in terms of if you believe in, we'll know it when we see it, which I think is Matt Nagy's signature statement as it, as it pertains to Justin Fields and when we will see him. We'll know it when we see it. I think it's probably pretty hard to see in training camp, but the real evaluating of Justin Fields, we'll know it when we see it, is going to happen in these preseason games. There are three of them. And the first one is on Saturday. The only chance that Justin Fields would have to start in the September 12th game against the Rams in that primetime game is if Matt Nagy sees it and knows it in one of these preseason games. So this is where, you know, you you get all of our reports and our tweets and my Bears hits here on the score, but it's all tempered by the fact that this is going on Bears against Bears, unless the Dolphins are around like they were the last couple days. It is hard to truly know what is real, and we can tell you exactly what we see out there with the good and the bad. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but when it's a preseason game, there is more meaning to it. Not complete meaning, but there's a lot more, and that's where this is where the real evaluating is going to go on. And if if Justin Fields becomes undeniable, it's going to be in these preseason games and maybe this game on Saturday. So it is it is going to be – this is one of those preseason games, one of those preseasons. I don't even think I need to sell it to anybody. I'm not trying to do that at all, believe me. Um, I, I think it sells itself, and I think there will be more interest. Like it's, there, it's going to be a Bears Sunday here on the score and a Bears Monday. After after what happens on Saturday, unless Justin Fields throws one one pass and then he gets him out of there, and then we got nothing. It's Nick Foles from from the the third series on because they just don't want to they don't want to mess with the the 
the volatile offensive line. But I, I, I don't know that those words have ever come out of my mouth, that this is a huge preseason game. But it is. It really is. There was the the uh, scuffle in practice today. I was not there, just so I could be here for you guys. Um, between Adam Shaheen, the former Bears tight end, a former second-round pick, now playing with the Miami Dolphins and doing fine with them. And uh, there was a little bit of a shoving match with uh, Khalil Mack today. And uh, I happened to find, attain, the audio of Adam Shaheen being questioned by the Miami reporters. Here you go. Adam, was it good to renew acquaintances with the Bears and team you got particularly? Was it good to renew acquaintances with the Bears and team you got particularly reacquainted with Khalil Mack early on in that one-on-one drill? Describe the uh, the atmosphere of the practice and how we got a little bit tricky there. Yeah, I mean it was a uh, it was a good competitive day. You know, I think you're gonna have that. That's why we do the joint practices. So, you know, they got us, we got them, and uh, it was just a good practice. I thought all around. Can you, can you share anything that Khalil was telling you after you guys broke up and he seemed to be still yapping quite a bit? I mean, that's just guys talking and, I mean, it's going to happen. That It wasn't just me. It wasn't just him. It was it was back and forth. With, I mean, it's going to happen now. It's going to happen in the game. So it was nothing, nothing crazy. You keep making a lot of catches in practice. How excited are you about the prospects for what your role could be in the offense this season? Yeah, I mean, you know, still got a lot of work to do as far as, you know, there's a lot of uh, – nuances to put in a lot of stuff so really learning and grinding down on this but that's what we're here for at training camp to do is to keep keep uh, you know, preparing and learning this stuff so that when it comes game one we're ready to roll. Adam after you caught a touchdown it looked like you considered dunking the ball on the post but then changed your mind why not dunk? Well, I, I don't know if there was a little 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 downslide or something, but my feet got tangled up, and I thought, you know what, don't, I might, might as well just run this one back. <laughs> it looked pretty bad if you actually tried to dunk it and couldn't get to the rim. Exactly. That's why I didn't even jump. Didn't want to even jump. Okay. All right. I'm not. There was a little. There was a uh, a little uh, little pocket on the earth. That's all it was. Leave, leave that to Mac. Mac Collins. Yeah, we'll leave that to Mac. That's that's his thing. And what's it been like since uh, Gasicki came back to the side of the group? It's, it's good. I mean, we love Mike uh, personality-wise and also what he brings to the game. So it's been awesome having him back. Last year you were traded the week training camp began, didn't have any preseason. What's it like to have a whole year in a similar offense, not exactly the same, and now to build on that? Uh, I think it's huge. Also being with, you know, kind of that group for the whole year last year and then starting off right now I think it's you know building those relationships and that trust is just something that you can't you can't uh, you can't do that when you get traded you know and you're playing right next to the guy for the first time last year but I think it's been good for me and hopefully good for everybody else as well. Adam, last, Adam last year you and uh, Mike and uh, Durham caught a lot of balls and caught a lot of touchdowns and that was interesting because they said that the Gailey offense didn't suit tight ends and, and it did. I'm curious, what do you think about the, the Godsey Stoopsville offense and how it fits tight ends? Um, you know, I think, like I, like I mentioned last time, I think right now as we're earning those reps and earning those, you know, targets and stuff, like earning those opportunities, I think if we keep showing, keep doing what we've been doing, there's no reason that we can't be even better than we were last year, which was, I think, one of the top five tight end groups in the league as far as production goes, so... I think, uh, and we and we have influx of 
you know, some new guys as well that are, you know, awesome as well. So who knows? But the sky's the limit for our, our group. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, 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 Thanks Adam. <laughs> I am positive that, that that was way more Adam Shaheen than, than you guys needed. So that's operator error on my part that I sent that audio to Brandon Fryer today. I should have just left the Mac stuff in. I don't know how interested you guys were in knowing how he's doing with the Miami Dolphins, but there it was. There it was. Adam Shaheen, and you heard his his comments on on Khalil Mack, and he just kind of made light of it. Nope, no big deal. And they and they typically aren't a big deal. It is interesting. It always is when players get into scuffles, and then you've got uh, you know a hundred guys on the field basically. You know, trying to break each other up. You know, you don't you don't want football fights to get ugly. They typically do not, uh, except for a couple of exceptions. You know, like Kyle Long flinging a helmet at a guy. He threw a helmet. You may he, you may want to lay low for a while, man. You threw a helmet at a at a guy. Um, so that was Adam Shaheen. When we return, I actually want to talk about the Chicago Bulls and something that is going on with the Bulls that I don't remember ever going on with the Chicago Bulls ever coming up next Mark Grody Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score what's up Mark Grody with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score here with you until 10 o'clock Chris Ranji from Dyersville Iowa in the Field of Dreams game coming up in 10 minutes 9 o'clock right now I want to talk about the Chicago Bulls and they've they've made some Dramatic changes to their team. They have become very watchable, have the Chicago Bulls. I think, on paper, DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and Nikola Vucevic and Zach Levine and Patrick Williams and Kobe White and Larry Markin and all these guys um, that Iota Sumu. Like, the Bulls are fascinating and intriguing, and it, it looks great, and I already can't wait for the Bulls season. The other day, I was talking to Mark Schanowski, who – co-host the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast with Stacey King. He works for ABC7. He's going to be working in the the Bulls, uh, calling the Bulls developmental games. And he said something to me that I thought was very interesting. Listen to Mark Schanowski right here on the Bulls. Well, I think that was his mission from day one. You know, Michael Reinstorf was very loyal to John Paxson and Gar Foreman, and those guys did some good things during their run here, particularly in the draft. But I think that, you know, when we saw what happened at the All-Star game, when fans, you know, were chanting to, to fire guard packs, and, and I think that that really struck a tone with ownership that they had to really change the way they approached everything with the organization. And when, when Michael made the decision, Michael Reinstorf, that is, to go out and hire our tourists, his marching orders were, listen, I don't care what it costs. I don't care who you want to bring in. We've got to change this thing because – we used to be a worldwide brand, and now people are kind of laughing at us, and, and we don't have the respect that we should have as a big market organization. So I think from day one, he was told, bring in the coach you want, go get the players you want. Uh, we're not going to worry about the, the payroll as much as trying to get a winning team back here in Chicago. And I think that we've seen his vision from the very start. You know, he took it, took it slow at first last year in free agency. The only guy they brought in was Garrett Temple. I think he wanted to take a half a season to evaluate the roster. And we saw at the trade deadline, he moved very aggressively to turn over, you know, one third of the roster. And he basically finished that job this offseason. I mean, after they get rid of Lowry Markin, and the only players left from when he started are going to be Zach Levine and Kobe White. And that's an amazing turnaround in just over a year. This is the first time I can ever remember 
in either being a Bulls fan or being one who has covered the Chicago Bulls, where there is pressure from ownership to win. Like there is, there has all what there has always been from Jerry Reinsdorf is for the most part a lot of loyalty. And I think that John Paxson is subject number one when we talk about that loyalty. Like the Bulls won on John Paxson's watch. They did some good things. There's no doubt. They restored order from the horribleness that was the the end of the Jerry Krause era and the Bill Cartwright head coaching era. Like he restored order, did get the team to the Eastern Conference Finals, but there, it never felt like there was this win or else edict from from ownership or the top. Like it never felt that way. I think that the the win or nothing edict in the nineties came from the players more than anything, and maybe maybe Phil Jackson. Even then, you never really heard anybody pounding the tables and saying, "Do what you got to do, bring in everybody," you know, um, you know, go crazy spending. This is the first time, and it's Michael Reinsdorf, as Mark Shanowski points out, that he's saying, uh, "You know what." We're not comfortable with what has gone on with this franchise recently. We're going to need you to build a winner for us. Here's the money. Go out. Yep. Four, three years, $85 million for DeMar DeRozan. Yep. Lonzo Ball, four years, 85 mil though. Sure. Oh, you want to trade for Nikola Vucevic? Sure. Do it. And so I like it. I, I like it that for the first time that I can ever remember that even in winning years, like there is kind of this like Arturus, we want you to like it is odd too that Arturus Karnashov, it's I thought for sure he was gonna take a lot more time to evaluate and maybe kind of nickel and dime and really build the team in a specific image. The image that he's building it in is veteran players. Like this is what he is stocking this team with. With a thirty one or two year old DeMar DeRozan. Nikola Vucevic is thirty. Um, you know, two obviously Alonzo Ball is twenty three, Zach Levine's still in his twenties, and then, you know, Kobe White and Laurie Markinen, if you're counting them as well. But you got like the window is now for these bulls. And it's it's fascinating and interesting that there's pressure from the top for once. And you have to look at how the Bulls might compete in the Eastern Conference. The Milwaukee Bucks are better than the Chicago Bulls still. Brooklyn is probably still better than the Chicago Bulls. Philadelphia, probably, probably, yeah. Um, It gets interesting when we talk about the Knicks, um, Atlanta, and Miami. That's where the Bulls could fit in. So the top three teams, in whichever order you would like, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia. But then the Knicks, 10 games over last year. Atlanta, 10 games over last year. Miami, 40-32 and 32 last year. That's right where the Bulls fit in. It's not inconceivable that the Bulls could be the fourth best team in the conference next year. I think most people probably still put like Miami ahead of the Bulls, but I don't know about the Knicks and Atlanta. I mean, are they coming back for more next year? We'll we'll see, and maybe one of those big three will drop out too. Who knows? In other words, there there is expectation on the Chicago Bulls in this upcoming season, and I like it. I like it a lot. Like there's a real place for the Bulls in the Eastern Conference next year, and the window. It, this is like with this group, it's not a like a long window. Three years, maybe, right? Like where you have where you have Vucevic playing like an all star or is an all star. 
DeMar DeRozan, what, three years, right? Because he'll be 35 in three years. And and who knows? Maybe Lonzo Ball becomes a superstar, and he develops. And maybe Patrick Williams, who, by the way, had 18 points and 10 rebounds if you care about summer league games. Um, Timberwolves 78, Bulls 59. Um, I guess Io DeSumo did not have a good shooting game. But he's another one that makes this team interesting. I don't think he's going to – considering the the players that the Bulls have signed, I don't see Io DeSumo, like seeing a lot of court time, probably not even with the real Bulls to start the season. But, you know, I mean, I'm rooting for him. This but, is the thing, too, Grady. Like, yeah. they're making – the team is now relevant. They used to be the laughing stock. That was the main thing. Like, no free agents would want to come there. Now you're making these moves. Granted, they're not – you can't beat Brooklyn and and probably the Bucks or something like that, but it makes you relevant. What other stars are looking and like, I like what they're doing yeah. over there. Yeah, and and it's because it made me think too of when they signed that year that they signed Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo to play with Jimmy Butler. That was different though because you definitely had Dwayne Wade in heavy decline at that point. Like he, he the, the the theme was with him is he can't hit a three when he when he came in there. He was not the same superstar, and it clearly didn't work out. Jimmy Butler was still Jimmy Butler, and Rajon Rondo, you know, he, he was okay with the Bulls. Actually, he was pretty good with the Bulls. Yeah, he uh, was good, but yeah. I remember that, too. That's when Gar, the what season before, was like, hey, we're going to get younger and more athletic. And yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, let's sign Dwayne Wade and <laughs> right. Rondo. There you go. Right, so that was an entertainment grab. That was a people know these guys. Maybe people come to – we could fill it up. So that, that was a, a blatant attempt. This, though, is – Arturis, we want to win, so go get us players that can help us win and compete in the Eastern Conference. And I don't remember the last time I remember that edict, if you want to call it that, coming from ownership of the Chicago Bulls, and I think it's a it's a really good thing. Um, Ait, is, have you made contact with Chris Ranji? Is he, he is, okay, we've made contact with Chris Ranji. He has been in Iowa at the Field of Dreams game in which the White Sox right now are leading – Seven to four in the bottom of the seventh inning. Um, we've seen some big home runs from the White Sox tonight, including Eloy Jimenez, a three-run homer, Jose Bray, who's gone yard. We'll get more details from Chris Ranji, and he'll tell us about the entire experience when we return. I'm Mark Grody. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.